Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Street Profits Podcast, Episode 9. I'm your host, Luke Wilhelm, and I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, today, before we get started, normally in the spot where I would run some advertisements, um, something hit my heart today, and I really wanted to talk about it with you. Um, so today, I don't know if any of you know this, today is National Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And, uh, you know, uh, it's something that I know is on a few people's hearts and minds, but I feel like it doesn't get nearly the amount of advertisements that it should. But thank God that one person is decided to put this on his plate and work with the platform that he has, and that's Tim Tebow and the Tim Tebow Foundation. So I just wanted to encourage everyone, if you get a shot, to go to um, Tim's website and get out and uh, see what you can do to help support his endeavors for human trafficking. That's uh, www.timtebowfoundation.org backslash rescue dash team. That's www.timtebowfoundation.org backslash rescue dash team. And it can help you get on board and see what you can do to help end human trafficking uh, in our world to help make this just a world a better, more Christ-driven place. All right, so into episode nine here, folks. I'm super excited for this one. Um, what we're going to be talking about is the parable of the lost son, otherwise known as the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, very uh, deep deep parable that Jesus um, said, actually, in the context of where Jesus said it, right, it's written in Luke 15, um, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, but in this, Jesus is sitting around with, has been surrounded by some sinners and tax collectors, and he's preaching, and you see some of the Pharisees starting to grumble about um, Jesus being around sinners, and he tells uh, three parables. Uh, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. So we're going to dig in here to the parable of the lost son, and uh, please bear with me. I'm going to read through the story, and I wrote down some notes here that uh, hopefully will help us have a better understanding of the parable and what type of takeaways we can get from it. You know, Jesus taught from uh, from parables, uh, I believe, for multitude of reasons. One is that uh, a parable is not just a rule. It's not like a hard, fast thing that you're to follow, but a parable, the more you dig into the story and, and dig um, deeper into the parable itself, the more you see depth in the knowledge. And it's so much more wisdom that can be pulled out of a, out of a parable as compared to just a list of rules and things. And uh, I find that um, Jesus' teaching through the parables is just one of the biggest blessings that we have that come out of the whole Bible. So let me get in here to the parable of the lost son. Uh, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So let's, uh, let's, take, a, let's take a pause right there and talk about the younger son in the first place, right? And the younger son, um, let's start off with the fact that he obviously is in the wrong because he's being wildly offensive towards his, his own father, right? By asking for his inheritance and inheritance is something that you get for um, when someone passes away. Generally, you know, it's acceptable if someone is older and wants to give away some of their possessions. So they make sure people have them. That's fine. But to go ask for you to go ask your father, Hey, I know you worked for all this stuff your whole life and I know you're still here and kicking, but I'm going to come snatch my portion because I want it. Is such an incredibly selfish thing, and uh, I think it equates a lot to how sometimes we live our lives, right? Uh, as 
sinners, which we all are, sometimes we make decisions on things that um, can be incredibly selfish, and it's not it's not fair to some of the people that we love and that we we deal with, but it's just something that's naturally there, right? Uh, another thing uh, to notice about this is that his father gave him the request. His father gave him the stuff. And, uh, you know, I think if if I would have asked my dad for part of his inheritance uh, while he was still alive, which he is, thank God, um, I think he would laugh in my face. I don't think he would have gave me anything. Uh, and I think, matter of fact, just the reason why I asked might have made me lose some of it. But uh, this father is a good, good father, and he decides to give it to him anyway. And you say, well, is that really being a good father? But I think in the story it represents uh, represents free will uh, in the parable because God God lets us make mistakes like this all the time in our life. Matter of fact, most people's lives are a series of these mistakes. We we have a mistake, you know, we come back, we repent, we live our lives well, and then if we fall short again, we, we it's a cycle. So um, that's not God's plan. God's plan is not for us to fall. That's not how it works, but it's the fractured relationship between us and God through sin that creates our ability to have this free will that often leads us down the road to some of our biggest mistakes. And uh, there's value. There's value in that. You know, you say, well, why wouldn't he just not want us to hurt? But I mean, if you look back in your life and some of the lessons you've learned, the biggest lessons you've ever learned from your life come from some of the hardest hardships. You know, you don't you know, you can tell a child all you want not to touch that hot stove, but in, they only need to do it once before they know they never want to touch that stove again. It's the same thing in life lessons. You know, someone can warn you over and over again that that's not what you want to do with your life, but if you don't fully understand that and then you you do it anyway, well, then you know exactly what they were talking about in retrospect. So the ability for free will to give us the opportunity the opportunity to live through some of these mistakes, to learn these lessons, I think is a, a, a valuable tool that God uses to, to help guide us on our journey. Um, so we're to the point where the younger son said, give me your, give me my stuff and heads on down the road, right? So go back here, right? Uh, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off to a different country and he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. He, he began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods uh, that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So I'm going to take a pause there, and uh, you know, let's talk about uh, what happens when you walk away from the will of your Heavenly Father, right? So obviously... The kid wasn't living his life right, doing whatever with whoever, blew through all the money, right? Obviously, you know, quote unquote, living his best life, right? Um, and uh, what happens? He ends up with nothing, right? He's destitute. Destitute. Ends up finding out that it would be better to be a servant for someone else just so he can survive than to be as poor and as broke as he is, right? Doesn't have a choice. Um it's, it's funny that Jesus is, chooses the term that he has to go out and feed the pigs and that he longs for the pig slop because, you know, even though we hear that and it sounds like a dirty job, in Jewish culture, the swine is like the dirtiest of animals. 
So for him to pick that is what this guy has equated himself to, is essentially equated himself to where he would be happy to get what these filthy animals eat uh, for food just shows you how really destitute this guy actually is, right? He is at the bottom, bottom of the barrel, and he has nowhere left to go, right? And that that means a lot in this story to show you how desperate this guy is, how filthy, low, uh, and, it, you know, it, we can equate that to a lot of our lives. A lot of us have put ourselves in some situations where we just, you know, we feel like we're at the bottom of the bottom and there's nowhere else to go. And this, uh, this is a perfect example of a parable in Jesus helping uh, teach us to, to get through this, right? So carrying on with the story, he says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, right? So it, at this point in the story, you know, the, the younger brother, he comes to his senses and he, and he goes home asking to be a servant. Notice that he, he's looking for forgiveness and to go home, but it, it, this is real repentance. This isn't, um, I'm going home and I'm going to ask for forgiveness and everything's going to be given back to me. I, I can't expect that out of him. He's not going to give that to me. I offended him in so many ways. This is, oh, oh God, life would be so much better as just my father's servant. Let me go back and, and serve him just so I can have some bread and, and be, have something in my life. Like that's what, that's what this story is all about. And, uh, you know, he comes back begging for mercy, not expecting to be fully restored. You know, that's not, that's not where the younger brother thought he was going here. Right? So now I'm going to move in and talk about the father some as we continue through this story. Um, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. So Let's, let's talk about that uh, first off, right? The father running to the son. Notice that, well, first of all, just in uh, culture at the time, someone who is the head of a household like that, like in charge of this land and field and the patriarch of this family, they don't run anywhere. They don't do that. People come to them. The, the running out for something is actually a sign of weakness, and it's not something that people in this society would have done in this nature show to show that he ran out to him shows just how much compassion he had for his son and he would disregard the rules and not worry about what people thought of him in that situation. He just wanted to go love on his son. And that's very much how God treats us. You can run and run and run from the father. You can sin and sin and take yourself down the deepest, darkest holes and worlds that you never thought that you would ever, ever get to. When you decide to come back and you take that first step, God is right there to meet you, right there to love on you. And he doesn't care what it looks like. He doesn't care where, where you're coming from. He just wants to love on you. And that's a very, very important part of this story, folks, that to understand that is, is just the, the greatest thought is that it doesn't matter how far you've gone. The second you want to come back, God comes running to you. It's amazing. So you have it. The 
Father ran back to him, threw his arms around him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Right? So God not only runs out, the father not only runs out to the son to meet him, he doesn't just accept the fact that the son is home and he's willing to be a servant to make up for what he lost. All that's forgotten. All that's done doesn't matter. Bring him the best robe. Put a ring on his finger, a sign of importance and significance that he is my son. Put shoes on his feet, right? Bring the fattened calf, a a delicacy at the time. These people were not eating meat on a daily basis. They were not um, having uh, these feasts and celebrations for no reason. So to to pull that fatted calf, that's, that's showing that there is nothing more important than the fact that you just came home. You just came back. And that's, uh, that's an important part here, right? And uh, it wasn't just, you know, okay to come back. It wasn't just, okay, my son came home. That's great. I loved him. I'm glad he's here. But you took, you took your inheritance, buddy, so you're done. None of that. All that was forgiven. It's done. The slate is clean. You came home. That's all God wants from us. He just wants us to come home. If you're far from him, come home. He's waiting, arm stretched open for you. Come home. Now we get to an interesting part of the story here, right? Because we also have an older brother, right? An older brother, mind you, uh, the older brother should have gotten the majority of the inheritance anyway because that's how Hebrew culture worked at the time. So the fact that the younger brother took his and ran away is not not okay. Um, but it says here, meanwhile, the older son, and I'm going to go ahead and finish the rest of the story, and then I'll hit my parts on the on the other son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the other son, uh, we have a lot of, of theories on what God exactly was ta- or what Jesus was exactly talking about here and talking about the other son, right? But uh, really what this is an example of, this is an example of the Pharisees and how they acted when Jesus was around these sinners and tax collectors and they were muttering about sinners, right? He was saying like, you know, you... You think you you're good because you, you know, you know the law, and you follow you follow these things, right? Like you think you're good because of that, but in all actuality, you're not good at all. Like you're not the only way. Um, 
to get to the Father is through me, right? So it says here in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that you can boast. So as much as the Pharisees sit there and say, you know, we know these laws. We know this stuff more than anybody. We follow them. Matter of fact, we check other fools that aren't following these laws, right? It doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter. He wants to save everyone. So the fact that you follow those laws are great and everything, and it should be respected, right? You follow and trying to follow the laws of God and all that stuff, and, and it should be something that you should hold in high regard, but that doesn't give you the right to think that you're any better than, than these other people because it's just not true, right? It tells us clear as day in Scripture that that, that is not the case, right? So um, there are some parallels between the older brother and um, some things that we see as negative in um, modern-day Christian church, churches. So... Um, I put a post out recently where I talked about that I'm at a war against organized religion and that I'm battling for every heart and soul to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is there's been more by organized religion to push people away from the love of Jesus than most other people that just don't believe, right? Because not only um, do they hurt, but they hurt by making that hurt associated with God himself. And that's just not okay. So, you know, examples, um, if, if you're, if you're somebody that goes to church, right. And and God bless you for doing, but you're somebody that goes to church on the regular and you wear nice clothes and everything. And you see someone less fortunate than you that comes in, uh, maybe someone that looks like they don't, you know, look comfortable or if they look like they have poor and shoddy clothes on, if you judge them, if you make them feel uncomfortable, if, if that person, you know, maybe, um, doesn't look like they belong, you're not doing everything you can to welcome them, you're a Pharisee. You're the problem. And you need to really pray hard about that because I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be the one turning people away from Jesus Christ. I can promise you that. That will not be a good day when that day comes. Right? So that's um, a very, very solid example of what the other son is. And something else that I noted here is let's not forget that the the other brother, the older brother, he sins against his father himself. His father says, come in, let's celebrate. And he tells him, no, I'm not going in there. I'm not doing this. That's not how I roll. He's like, I've been good to you the whole time. And you crap on me by being good to this brother that ran away and squandered your money. That's, that's a sin. And the Bible teaches us that, uh, is that a sin is a sin is a sin. So him disrespecting his father in this matter is no different than his younger brother going away and squandering all the money that both sinned against the father. And what does the father still say? I love you. I'm here for you. We have to celebrate your brother because he was lost and now he is found. Um, we, you know, whether you find yourself being the, the younger son or the older son in these situations, we all need to come back to the father, right? He is there. He's waiting for us. He is a good good father. And we need to recognize that. I, I, I can't tell you how many times that, uh, I have felt that I've gone so far away from God and yet he has always been there, you know, waiting with arms wide open when I was ready 
ready to come home to him. Um, you know, in a, a good example of this would be, you know, in my, uh, my, uh, military days back, back some time ago when I was a, a young and, uh, when I was a younger son running away from God, doing what I wanted to do. Um, I remember one night I'd, uh, went to an, uh, adult, uh, entertainment establishment with some of my other military buddies. And, uh, it was one of these places where you couldn't have alcohol inside. So we had alcohol outside, we'd sneak outside and drink. Uh, and I was sitting out there one night and it was a beautiful, cold, crisp night. Um, and I was looking up at all the stars and I was like, Oh, what a beautiful night. And it hit me like a little whisper in my head. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it was like, I had a realization, a realization of how far I had run from God. And all I could think about was wanting to come back to him. And I remember going home that night, taking a shower before I was going to bed. And I just felt like I couldn't get clean. Like I couldn't get clean. It didn't matter how many times I soaked up and washed off. I, I, I was still dirty. And what that was, was that was God telling me that I couldn't keep living life the way I was living. I had to come home to him. And we, that's just one example. But I promise you, there are people that are recovering addicts. There are people that have survived abusive relationships. There are people that have done all these things that they have been so life-transformed because God the Father was there with arms wide open, waiting to run out to them and give them everything he has to bring them right back into the fold, all because he's our good and gracious father. No reason. It has nothing to do with you. It's because he loves us so much. He loved us so much that he gave his only son to die for us as, a, as an atonement for our sins. That's all we need to know, folks. That's all we need to know. So let's, uh, let's end this bad boy in prayer, and we'll hope you guys have a good, good day. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to spread your word. Thank you for the opportunity to touch so many lives and uh, so many lives and people, Lord. We thank you for always being that good, good Father who is always there for us, no matter how far we run from you. Your love and peace that you give us is truly beyond our understanding, and we thank you for your grace and mercy. It is in your almighty and powerful name that we pray. Amen.